Our next story, it's, it's basic math, really. The rate of inflation is higher than any average wage increase you're getting. So essentially, you're being paid less for the work that you do. How much less? Who is getting hurt the most? That's what my next guest set to find out in a new study called Pressure Cooker, Declining Real Wages and Rising Inflation in Canada During the Pandemic. The report looks at real wage growth and rising inflation over the past two years and finds that wages for a majority of us Canadian workers have not increased at the same rate as inflation. In particular, many public sector sector workers uh, who have faced salary freezes from provincial governments are falling behind. Well, joining me now is David McDonald. He's a senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives and author of the report, Pressure Cooker. David, thank you so much for your time tonight. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. I guess the the title of this of the of the research says it all, really, which is, you know, pressure cooker. Obviously, I think. Canadians are feeling the pressure, but just how wages are declining because they're basically being offset by rising inflation. What did you set out to find and and what was the result? Yeah, I mean, it's a real simple test was to say whether wages, hourly wages are keeping pace with inflation. Uh, If they are, in which sectors, for which types of workers, and if they're not, uh, why aren't they? And so broadly, I mean, the conclusion is that uh, two thirds of all workers took a pandemic pay cut since 2020. It's not because their pay itself went down, but because the price of the goods that they buy went up much faster than the rate of increase in their wages. Where were you seeing that uh, most acutely? Well, there's certainly winners and losers. Um, In terms of uh, workers who got a job during the pandemic, um, they have met or exceeded inflation, particularly if they got a job in the fall, um, where we saw a bit of a rehiring boom. Most workers, though, actually held a job throughout the entire pandemic, had one prior to the pandemic, and they're the ones that are left way behind. In terms of the winners and losers by industry, there are certainly winners, and they're very pandemic winners, as it were. Uh, the biggest winners are uh, in the uh, information, culture, and recreation industry. This is where a lot of IT preference professionals are. And so in the huge shift of working from home, it's had to be facilitated by someone and facilitated by those IT professionals making that all happen, making the connections work. Um, the manufacturing of non-durables, particularly food and beverages, as well as wholesale trade, uh, also saw uh, higher than inflation uh, wage gains. You know, think of wholesale trade as the middle of the supply chain between retailers and the and the producers. Uh, and so sorting out some of those difficulties uh, meant they needed more workers. And uh, so wages went up there. And the final big winning category is real estate agents, who particularly in the fall of 2021 saw huge increases in their pay, 14% a year um, since, uh, since uh, 2020. And this is in large part due to the uh, very high real estate prices. Now, there are much more losers than winners, unfortunately. I mean, the worst of the bunch were uh, workers in the manufacturing of durables, these things like cars, the parts for cars. Um, they uh, basically are seeing a 2% a year wage cut over the course of the pandemic. Um, and this is due to the chip shortage. So there were big plant shutdowns. Uh, and so there just wasn't the demand for workers. And so you didn't see any wage pressure there. Uh, you actually see uh, the big uh, public sector industries also among the biggest losers. Uh, this is education services. So this is uh, childcare workers and teachers, as well as healthcare industries. So this is nurses, PSWs, that sort of thing. Um, these folks are seeing wage gains well below the rate of inflation. Um, the only uptick in those wage categories uh, is for people hired in the fall. And uh, it's really, really for all the wrong reasons, which is it, these are people who are, are backfilling 
because people are sick uh, or they are burned out. And so, uh, and there's a big call for the workers in these categories. And so we are seeing some wage pressure there. Um, but if you were in nursing in particular, there's been essentially no difference whether you're hired in the fall, you know, at the start of the pandemic, or you're, uh, you know, you've been in your position for more than two years. Uh, wage gains on average there have only been 2% uh, a year, whereas inflation has been three and a half. So, it, you know, for the people that really hit hardest from this, just from a health perspective, they're just most exposed physically to the pandemic, uh, are among people who have seen the worst increases in, in wages, and they're just not being offset by the additional uh, you know, personal danger that they've undertaken during the pandemic. David, what are we seeing? I mean, just in terms of real numbers, just how much worse off are most people now in terms of how much money they're taking home and how much they need to spend on things that they need to buy? How much worse yeah. off are, are we? Yeah, so real wages have gone down about 1% a year uh, once we adjust for inflation. So wages uh, over the course of the pandemic went up 2.5% roughly. Inflation went up 3.5% over the last two years. Um, and so you know, workers on average are a point behind. Uh, when we look at you know at manufacturing, I mean, they've taken a 2% a year pay cut. You know, if you're a teacher, childcare here, you know, you're taking about a 2% pay cut every year. Uh, healthcare is slightly better, 1.5% pay cut. Um, but you know, it's, it's substantial when you see the big increases, uh, on the one side of prices, but you don't see it, uh, in your paycheck in terms of, uh, increased pay. It, it, this goes without saying, but, but this will have an impact that will be felt throughout the economy because if people spend, have less to spend, they spend less, save less. Um, and, and the impacts of that can be far reaching. Uh, did you look into that at all as to what the consequences of this sort of declining wage strength can be? Well, and this is the issue for workers is that, is that, uh, yeah, inflation is up and, and they're not, they're, they're not keeping pace. Um, I think that one of the things it does speak to, particularly the very tight labor market at present, uh, where you've got unemployment hitting historic lows, is that particularly for workers who've been in the same job over the course of uh, the pandemic, they likely have a bit of power in their pocket that they have seen these big increases in inflation, particularly over the course of the fall and, and early winter. And this may well continue for some time, given uh, what's happening in Ukraine and high gas prices. Uh, and so my hope is that... Uh, that these workers who stuck around their jobs over the course of the pandemic now potentially gain, you know, a bit more leverage uh, in their workplaces to try to drive up their own pay. Often in uh, academic economic circles, uh, workers are blamed for inflation, you know, that they are the ones sort of pushing for wage increases and therefore driving up the price of goods. Uh, that is certainly not the case this time around. Uh, you know, workers are not pushing up wages. If anything, you know, they're not in the driver's seat here in terms of wages there. They're in the passenger seat. Maybe they're they're in the back seat. Uh, they aren't the ones driving inflation here. Inflation's being driven by something else. Uh, one of the things that was interesting in in your research as well is that we talked a lot about the Great Resignation, but according to your data, uh, there wasn't really a Great Resignation in this country. It didn't seem. No, there isn't. I mean, this is very much an American trend, uh, and so we just sort of assume that everything in the U.S. is happening here. Um, but the uh, you know the ratio of the turnover, the voluntary turnover in the workforce has remained uh, actually slightly below where it was pre-pandemic, which means that people are not leaving their jobs in record numbers uh, by any stretch. Um, and so, you know, to some degree, it may be that the tight labor market will encourage more of that job shifting. That's often a way that people can increase wages. And certainly when we look at the data of the people hired in the fall, uh, you know, s- since the fall, 
the wage gains there have been larger. Now, people who were hired in the fall on average will tend to have lower wages because they have very little tenure and you know, under five months tenure. And so if you've got less tenure, you're, you know, you're, you're in general going to be paid less. Um, but the wage gains there have been more substantial. So, um, you know, it may, it, it, you know, it may lead to more people switching jobs. Uh, we haven't seen that yet in the Canadian data, but that's very much an, an American experience. I mean, the other thing that happened during the pandemic in Canada was that the hourly wage that you made the pandemic was highly related to how likely it was you're going to lose your job. Uh, and so half of uh, all those making at or near minimum lost their jobs or the majority of their hours in the first couple months of the pandemic. And so I was interested as well to see in this report whether there was any silver lining here, whether lower wagers were likely to see a raise, particularly if they got rehired in the fall. I mean, there was lots of uh, debate in the, the food and accommodation industry that there were leverages and they couldn't curse. Uh, unfortunately, there seems to be no relationship between hourly wage rates and who got a raise over the course of the pandemic. So there isn't really a silver lining here for all those low-wage workers in food and accommodation that lost their jobs at the start of the pandemic. I'm speaking with David McDonald, the senior economist, a senior economist at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives and the author of Pressure Cooker, Declining Real Wages and Rising Inflation in Canada During the Pandemic. The title says it all. We're talking about what's happened to people's wages when inflation outpaces any raise that you may, you may be getting and the broader impact on the economy, as well as winners and losers over the course of the pandemic. Who has come out in front? Many more have come out behind. And what does that mean for the economy? What does that mean for labor uh, negotiations going forward? We'll touch more on that after this. I'm speaking with David McDonald, senior economist at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives and the author of Pressure Cooker, Declining Real Wages and Rising Inflation in Canada During the Pandemic, a look into what's happened to a lot of people's wages. And I think we all know this anecdotally. Uh, the more inflation rises and your and your wages don't keep pace, uh, the less money you have to spend or the more expensive life gets. Um, when you were looking at some of the impact that this could have, and we're seeing it in labor negotiations among government uh, labor unions these days, it sounds like we may start to head towards some side, some sort of collision between those who sign the paychecks and those who receive the salaries, uh, specifically in the public sector in the, in the not too distant future. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting in the public sector, particularly at the provincial level, where a lot of these workers are employed through uh, teachers and healthcare workers, these are provincial employees in essence. Um, you know, this heavily unionized environment. And so 2% a year is generally what was targeted pre-pandemic. And that's what you'd experience. It's what you'd expect in terms of inflation. And so to keep pace, you'd want about a 2% a year increase. Uh, and in some provinces, that that is uh, broadly what uh, workers have been getting from recently signed collective agreements. So uh, BC and Quebec in particular, I mean, very close to 2%. But Many of the other big provinces, uh, Alberta and Ontario, have been actively attempting to drive down wages uh, for healthcare workers and education workers, um, capping wages to be sure. Uh, this was happening pre-pandemic, but it was also happening during the pandemic with attempts to see no wage increases in, in key categories like on the healthcare side. Um, and so, you know, in those that, you know, the, the, the average wage increase in collective bargaining in Alberta was just over zero percent. Uh, over the last uh, three or four years, which means that, you know, in real terms, uh, those workers as part of those agreements would be seeing 3% a year wage cuts in essence. Um, now, 
you know, one, one of the challenges, of course, is that with all of these workers either off sick or burning out, there's a huge demand for teachers, childcare workers, especially with a new childcare plan, uh, and healthcare workers. Uh, you know, nurses have not been seeing pay increases anywhere near the rate of inflation, despite being on the front lines of the pandemic. Uh, doesn't matter whether you're hired in the fall, the start of the pandemic, prior to the pandemic, pay increases have been about 2% a year across the board. Uh, the only real gains in healthcare have been on the lab tech side. Uh, and technical occupations, which tends to be more private sector in any event. Um, and so I think that, you know, yes, there's a, there's going to be higher wage demands to be sure to try to keep up to inflation. But to some degree, you know, you, you also need higher wages to encourage people to join these professions. I mean, there's a real need for more workers, uh, you know, in long-term care facilities uh, when we're talking about uh, PS, uh, personal support workers, PSWs, uh, when it comes to to try to clear backlogs for surgery when it comes to teachers who are chronically now off sick and experiencing burnout. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be very difficult to fill these positions um, without some commitment to higher wages. And so whether governments like it or not, provincial governments like it or not, if they want these services to be maintained at anywhere near pre-pandemic levels, uh, wages are going to have to increase there. I mean, the upside of this, of course, is that provincial governments are actually flush with cash. And so initially at the start of the pandemic, there were real doomsday scenarios in terms of the deficits that would be seen uh, coming through the pandemic. Those were revised away pretty quickly. Uh, and now we're seeing surpluses in six of 10 provinces, you know, this year, next year, just a huge turnaround in provincial in the provincial books. So the provinces are actually well positioned to uh, increase wages, increase employment in some of these key sectors. Uh, like healthcare, like long-term care, like education, uh, that have really, uh, you know, those workers who've really taken a beating over the course of this pandemic. There is a bit of a paradox, though, I guess, in your study, if we're not moving, so if people aren't resigning to go find more money where they can find it from someone who wants their skills, uh, there is a bit of a vicious circle where if you're, if you stay in one place, uh, you know, the old paradigm that, you know, your employer is not going to pay you more to do what you already do, uh, seems like you know, there might have to be movement somewhere or this is going to persist. Certainly in the collective bargaining uh, arena where you've got a lot of unionization and healthcare education, I mean, you can bargain for higher wages. But outside of that, where, you know, the private sector where there's just much lower unionization rates, you can't. And so then it's on an individual basis. You go to your boss and saying, look, you know, this 1% pay increase isn't keeping pace with the 3.5% inflation that we've seen since the start of the pandemic. I want to raise uh, and maybe your boss says no, or maybe your boss says, okay, we're going to give you one and a half percent a year. Um, that is much more challenging. And, and so where you don't see a lot of unionization, it's much harder to, to bargain collectively and, and ask in a collective way for increases in wages that are anywhere near inflation. And so often job switching is one of the obvious ways that you can increase your wages. Uh, you know, that's Often something that employees don't want to do, workers don't necessarily want to do, going to a new job that may be better, may be worse. I mean, you might get higher pay, maybe you've got a worse boss. Uh, and so, uh, but unfortunately, that, that is uh, often what you have to do to get, to get pay increases. Now, on the plus side, uh, unemployment rates are at historic lows. I mean, we haven't seen unemployment rates this low, even pre-pandemic. And so there's a, there's a lot of pressure in the labor market. Unfortunately, in part, in part due to COVID-19, people continue to be sick. Uh, continue to be off work and employers need to hire even more people uh, to cover the same amount of services they might have been providing pre-pandemic. And so there's a lot of pressure to get people into their workplaces, uh, to hire new workers. And hopefully that starts to result in wage increases, 
we certainly haven't seen it particularly for longer term employees yet, although we have seen it for employees newly hired in the fall. And so that might be the start of some benefit to, to workers, you know, that they might get somewhere near the inflation rate. I mean, the challenge is now that, that you know, workers who've been in their, their jobs for more than two years, who've gone through the, this pandemic period, you know, in total now, they're almost seven, you know, they're, well, once, once you adjust for, the, for, for their own wage, wage increases, you know, there, there may be four points, four percentage points lower in terms of pay than they used to be. I mean, it's pretty tough to keep up with growing inflation plus another 4% on top. And so we may well find that a lot of workers just take a one-time hit in pay and, and never recover. Like they, they never catch back, up, catch back up even with inflation, unfortunately. David McDonald, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.